0: Hello, and welcome to Kaiju Coffee Break, the podcast about giant monsters and giant nerds who love them. I'm Lee, and I love monster movies.
1: And I'm Sarah, and I wanted to make a podcast about Animal Crossing. Good morning, Lee.
0: morning. How are you?
1: I am legally qualified as alive.
0: I am drinking my coffee, which is helping me wake up. But yeah, I'm I'm dragging along right now.
1: Yeah, I think we both are. What are you drinking?
0: (laughs) I am drinking... um, Mountain Roast from Takelma Coffee Company. It's a medium roast. I like it a lot. It's 100% Arabica beans and sustainably sourced, which is always awesome and what I try and find when I'm looking for coffee.
1: Since this is a coffee podcast, I'm going to just let you know that's uh, Arabica. Arabica? Yes. There are two different species of coffee, Arabica and Robusta. Arabica is the more expensive one. Uh, Robusta is cheaper, so like a lot of times you'll find Robusta in... Folgers coffee type, uh, cheaper coffee brands and blends and stuff.
0: All right, I believe I knew that. I just ha- can't talk good. So
1: okay, well have a, have another sip of that coffee there, love. All right, I am drinking uh, Evans Brothers Big Timber Blend. It's a dark roast, fair trade, roasted in Sandpoint, Idaho, and I also really like this. I'm a big fan of uh, dark roast coffees in general, and that's kind of a uh, point of contention between us, so we're at the point that we just have our, each have our own coffee.
0: The only issue with that is I also like dark roast. I just like to switch it up every now and then.
1: Well, you're welcome to help yourself to so some of mine from time to time. God knows, <laughs> my mom brought us several bags of this big timber blend because she thought it was Lee's favorite, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't. So, <laughs> well, I
0: think actually Daniel's the one who picked it up. Oh so yeah, I'm, it's his favorite. My
1: mom's boyfriend. Well, he's got good taste in coffee, and <laughs> my mom, I guess. Uh,
0: all right. So, are we ready to talk about the movie then?
1: I as ready as I am ever going to be.
0: So, the movie we're talking about this week is uh, Godzilla from nineteen fifty four.
1: Yes, we watched it yesterday.
0: In uh, two parts. Um, If you want to watch it, you can buy the Blu ray collection from Criterion. It's the Showa Collection. I have it. It's very nice. Um, I recommend it.
1: Yeah, the art kind of the art book that comes along with it is real. Impressive. It's it's very cool. I like it.
0: Definitely vivid, too.
1: Yes, they use a lot of uh, bright colors.
0: But you can also find it on Amazon Video Rental, HBO Max, and Criterion actually also has a streaming service that they offer.
1: Yeah, so the last three of those were all streaming options for people who have good internet, unlike us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, so Godzilla 1954 is an hour and 36 minutes long. Uh, the only monster in it is Godzilla.
1: Well, yeah. hang on a sec. Humans are also the monster in this one.
0: Okay. Do we have to list them in every movie then?
1: Yeah, probably. (laughs) Okay.
0: So there are two monsters in this movie, Godzilla and humans. Um, Humans are seen pretty much throughout the whole movie. Uh, Godzilla is first seen 14 minutes in. You just see his leg. 22 minutes in, you see his glorious head. And 45 minutes in, you get the full body shot.
1: You're such a nerd.
0: I know. (laughs)
1: I just love, like, 66 years later, the breathless recounting of the exact moment that Godzilla joins the screen. Like,
0: Well, it's amazingly bad. We'll get to that. Yeah, okay. All right. So where does this take place?
1: Uh, This is set mostly in Tokyo, but also on Odo Island, which is a fictional island south of Tokyo. It's actually, uh, I thought this was pretty interesting, based on... Uh, a real island chain that is located south of Tokyo. There's actually two island chains, the Izu Islands and the Ogosawara Islands. Uh, The Izu Islands are only a couple hundred kilometers off the coast of Tokyo to the south. The Ogosawara Islands are significantly farther south. Um, They are often grouped together because they're actually all administrated by the Tokyo Metropolitan Government. So they are subtropical islands that are part of Tokyo. Uh, I think they're really interesting this this watching this movie kind of was the impetus for me researching them and uh i want to go there now this is my like post-covid recoup vacation i'm planning over here
0: and from what you showed me they are happy to have you coming as soon as you can
1: yes uh we now have people expecting us i uh i followed the tokyo secret islands instagram feed which is the uh, local tourism agency for english-speaking tourists and they sent me a message on instagram telling me they were excited to have my follow and hope to see me on the island soon.
0: Spend money.
1: Please, please give us your yen. Well, don't worry. Tokyo secret islands, I intend
0: to. All right, so those are the specs of the movie um, for the quick pot synapses. Um, it starts off with the fishing and freight ships getting destroyed outside of those Odo islands. Many of them. Uh, The movie counts 17, but it's probably more than that as things go forward. They send out a research team to Odo Islands to figure out what's going on, because... uh, Obviously, something is going on. Something crazy is happening, and that's where they meet Godzilla, and then not long after that, Godzilla decides that island life isn't enough for him, and he needs to try out the city life.
1: Yeah, he wants to try that big city living baby Yep. Along the way, they also learn that Godzilla is one, both unspeakably old and also radioactive, and make the insane scientific leap to that he must be a product of nuclear testing.
0: Yeah, it will come up from his nap. Yes. Or her nap. I'm actually not sure for this one.
1: The movie uses he pronouns for, for Godzilla, so I, I would like to argue that Godzilla is Godzilla-gendered, but that's uh, probably a discussion for a different day.
0: Gotcha. So, let's I guess that takes us into what we loved.
1: Sure. Um uh, I thought this movie was a lot more serious than a lot of the other Godzilla movies that I have seen or kind of briefly witnessed. I think they it, it seems to get a little goofy as the series goes on, but this this original one it was uh, actually a very a, kind of a sobering movie Special effects aside, I think it is. You wrote in in our plot synopsis that the movie is iconic, and I think that that's very true. Uh, this movie laid the path for monster movies going forward. It really wrote the script, um, and and we can't underestimate the the impact of that.
0: Yeah, I would compare it to Jaws, and also say that this is one movie in the series that everybody needs to like see. If there are any fans of cinema beyond just movies, it's it's definitely worth seeing. It's not. The silliness that comes in later, it's very serious.
1: Yeah, you don't have to uh, even necessarily enjoy monster movies to appreciate or understand the timeless themes that this movie really encapsulates. And, and really a, a very vivid post-war anxiety on the part of the Japanese people Um Americans are never mentioned in this movie, but they are the villain. It is clear that Americans are the villain of this movie. And I, I can't say, that looking back on history, that I can blame people for feeling that way. This movie was set only about, what, nine years after Hiroshima and Nagasaki were bombed.
0: And they even referenced that with one lady saying that she barely survived the Nagasaki mm-hmm. bombing. Yep. Only to be threatened by Godzilla. Yes. All right. So I I pulled out a quote from the movie that I liked. This is after their um, first big encounter with Godzilla in the city. And um, they go to the main scientist whose name I don't have written in here. Um, do you remember who he was? Sensei. <laughs> Sensei. So they, the government comes to Sensei and says, we want to know if there's a way to kill Godzilla. And he looks at them astonished and says, impossible. Godzilla was baptized in the fire of the H-bomb and survived. And I just... I love that translation. It's great to me. Uh, I think um, it stands out.
1: Yes. Uh, I think it was an excellent translation. I I wish I knew exactly what they said, but unfortunately, my Japanese is only (laughs) so-so.
0: Well, it's better than mine.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. Arigato.
0: But that's a low bar.
1: Okay. You didn't have to say that.
0: Well, for me, that's a low bar.
1: (laughs) I thought The Professor overall was uh, uh, probably one of the, m- the more serious and sobering characters. He spends the entire movie pretty much depressed at the idea that the government only cares about killing Godzilla. But but you could argue he he's pretty short-sighted. Godzilla is killing people yeah, left he, and right.
0: He's a scientist and he wants to know how Godzilla survived the H-bomb testing and believes that knowing that is important to humanity. Mm-hmm. So I got a second quote that I pulled from the movie. It's also from Sensei. Um, It is about right when we first see Godzilla, like full body, and uh, he runs up to the military and he says, tell your CO not to shine searchlights on Godzilla. They'll only make him angrier. And I love that because it's great narrative for saying keep the costume well, or not very well lit, so it looks better.
1: They do shine searchlights search, search on him later in the movie, in fairness. But, I mean, yeah, they have to be clever with these yeah. old movies. I honestly think that's probably my favorite thing about old sci-fi is that they had to be much cleverer to work around the restrictions that we don't have anymore.
0: Yeah, and like I just enjoyed it. it some of those the scenes like that kind of stick out to me just for the justification aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well,
1: it's it kind of reminds me like so much of what we think of as being extremely iconic really harkens back to technological implications. Like the only reason that Mario was wearing overalls is that it was easier to render and you could it was more clear to render in an 8-bit format. Yeah. And now we wouldn't we wouldn't imagine Mario in anything other than overalls, but that, at well, the time it was only because
0: Yeah, it it is that's another thing that's become iconic. Like the plumber in overalls of all things,
1: despite the fact that you don't actually see Mario plumb until like the Wii U version of that game.
0: Yeah, and even that's kind of
1: specious. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I have never personally plumbed by whacking a hammer onto a pipe until it broke. But
0: well, then you're not plumbing.
1: Obviously, I, well, <laughs> I raise my eyebrows at him.
0: All right, so uh, I'm also going to jump to the ending here. Uh, the because we're
1: still talking about what we loved.
0: Yes. Uh, there's three characters, Emiko, Ogata, and Sarazawa. Uh, Emiko is supposed to be uh, betrothed, is that the right? Arranged marriage?
1: Yeah, I think she's in an arranged marriage with Professor S- uh, Sarizawa.
0: Yeah, but they have that going on. Ogata is Emiko's uh, secret lover, and throughout the whole movie, they're trying to tell her dad about it.
1: And and Sarazawa.
0: Yeah, but um, the... At the end of it, spoilers, Sarazawa dies with his um, sketchy science to kill Godzilla. Um, He dives down to plant the the thing next to Godzilla to ensure that it happens.
1: It's basically an oxygen-based bomb. Yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit later about the use of oxygen as a weapon because I, actually it is sketchy science, but there is actually a basis for it mm-hmm. that I think is pretty interesting. But we'll we'll get to that in a minute when we talk about stuff we didn't love.
0: Yeah, but the the point I wanted to get to here is that when Sarazawa and Ogata are going to dive, Emiko only says goodbye to Sarazawa, so I think she knows that he's going down there to die.
1: Oh, I felt like it. I mean, having not seen the movie, I felt it was fairly obvious that Sarizawa intended to not come back because he had burned all his research and he was intent on not allowing that information to fall into enemy hands. He only agreed to use his oxygen weapon after he was pretty sure that no one else would be able to reverse engineer it. Like everyone else in this movie, he was obviously uh, thematically based around the idea of reducing nuclear proliferation. Of reducing nuclear proliferation.
0: Mm-hmm. And at that, that same scene where he's burning his research, Emiko also falls over crying. Because I think then, too, she knows what it means for him to agree to this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: All right, so so you did...
1: liked the, the plot ending of Sarazawa dying.
0: Yeah, well, it made me sad.
1: It is. It's sad. He, I actually uh, thought that Sarazawa was probably the best character of the movie. I, I enjoyed him the most. He uh, had the most... Growth. None of the other characters really grew at all from the experience, but he actually had a documentable plot of character growth, and and I also liked that in a movie that otherwise is quite tropey, he. Was not that way. He was presented originally as something of a mad scientist. He had an eye patch. He had all the hallmarks of a big movie baddie.
0: Yeah, I had some big misconceptions about yeah. him when I first saw went in to see this movie because I had seen screenshots and like, oh, that's a mad scientist yeah. for sure.
1: Immediately upon seeing sarzawa you think that's the bad guy of this movie, and in the end, he sacrifices himself. And and the last thing he says is that he wishes Amiko and Ogata a, a wonderful life together. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's sad. It's, it's quite sad. Yeah. Um, so that leads me into what I didn't love, which was the complete and wholesale destruction of everything good about Sarazawa. I actually liked him. He was my favorite character. So the fact that he sacrificed himself in the end was sad, but also made sense it did it made sense i mean i i understand i I think that um the also the picturing of a scientist as as a sort of a a character of ethics is not that common in movies even now most scientists in movies are kind of operate by the if you can do it you should sort Mm -hmm. of attitude and so i liked that he was very aware of the societal implications of his research um but i'm going to get into that again in a minute you can talk about what you didn't like first
0: well uh, that's because it's In the scale of the movie, it's not a big thing. Um in the what we didn't love section, there's a a scene where we haven't met Godzilla yet where this old man is on a beach.
1: I think he was the village kind of head leader, chief sort of person. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well he's he says Godzilla is the cause for all our our catches not our fishing being terrible. Mm And they kind the younger generation scoffs at him, and he is quick to call one of the ladies a cow and threatens to feed her to Godzilla, and that that doesn't hold up to my modern standards, I guess you could say. In
1: fairness, it harkens that that is referenced later in the movie when. somebody i can't even remember who it was testifies that in the past they used to appease godzilla it was the same guy oh okay so the same guy then testifies in front of the the japanese congress that they used to appease godzilla by taking a young woman and putting her in a raft and setting her adrift for godzilla to eat
0: to snack on this is
1: before godzilla was established as being a character that ate radiation at this point godzilla is still just eating fish and people and a lot of train cars.
0: Yeah, they call him a dinosaur in this.
1: It's because he's he's actually not based on Japanese mythology. Godzilla is supposed to be a tr- dinosaur. Mm. Like that is I, I, I researched it a little bit because I, I had assumed all this time that Godzilla was based on Japanese mythology. but the the writer for this movie uh, came up with him during a plane trip. Uh, thinking of trying to think of another idea after he was denied an Indonesian visa to film the movie that he was going to film in Indonesia. Um, so, yeah, Godzilla is not based on Japanese mythology. Godzilla is a dinosaur.
0: Yeah. All right. So I think it's your turn to talk about what you didn't love. Oh,
1: weird. I have written here, the science is sketchy. Uh, yeah. I, I actually... In hindsight, really love this scene where Dr. Sarazawa, uh reveals to Emiko the science, like the research that he's doing. He drops a little, basically, nuclear Alka-Seltzer into the water, and the fish that are in the tank, so he's got a fish tank, Uh, The fish that are in the tank just kind of bamf into skeletons. And if I could figure out how to do that, oh boy, howdy. (laughs) I would not. You wouldn't get the fish, though. Uh, Okay, you're right. I wouldn't do that to fish. Fish are innocent, but I would do it to some people. (laughs) Uh, I I apparently do not have some of the ethical restrictions that Dr. Sarazawa has. Um, Either way, obviously, this is ridiculous. And his explanation for it that he split an oxygen atom to produce a liquid is obviously pretty specious. I think hopefully we all realize that if you split an oxygen atom, Uh, it's going to blow up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how nuclear bombs work. But with that said, there actually is some basis, in fact, for the idea of using oxygen as a weapon. In fact, this is how our body's immune system works. Uh, The production of what are called reactive oxygen species, they are uh, ionized oxygen molecules. So oxygen as it exists in the atmosphere is pretty inert. But it can be ionized in a couple of different ways uh, by our body's, metabolic system or even by ionizing radiation. And it will pick up a charge. And at that point, it can just start bonding to uh, the molecules in our body and produce oxidative stress and oxidative damage. Um, The human immune system works this way in a couple of ways. Platelets use this to attract other platelets to the site of an injury. And also uh, neutrophils, a type of white blood cell, will engulf bacteria and then just bombard it with ra- uh, these reactive oxygen species. This can also happen from ionizing radiation. If you are radi- irradiated, a big part of acute radiation sickness is oxidative stress uh, that makes you sick, causes your hair to fall out, makes you sick your stomach. All of this stuff is oxidation inside of your body. So the idea of a, a weapon that creates reactive oxygen species, in essence, you're turning water into hydrogen peroxide. Um, would that kill Godzilla? No, probably not. But I mean, there are a lot of scientists who still believe that this is the primary reason that human bodies undergo aging is reactive oxygen Hmm. species. Uh, I honestly don't think it's as popular of a theory anymore, but if you look back, if you remember back to your childhood, you'll probably remember a lot of people talking about free radicals um, in the diet back when we were kids. And that is the same thing. A free radical is a reactive oxygen species. Um, So, yeah, I actually think that this is sort of interesting. Uh, Probably this was cool and brand new (laughs) when this movie came out. And so it made sense as a weapon. Like I said, do I think it would kill a nuclear-powered monster? No, I I don't think it usually even kills human beings. But Mm. it is a clever idea.
0: Yeah. And the way it works in the movies is it supposedly splits all of the oxygen atoms, turns it into liquid, and then liquefies the flesh beans around it. And that's how the fish turned from fish into bones. And that doesn't and- really
1: make sense um, if you think about it for more than a few seconds, because biologically, there's not that much of a difference between soft tissues and hard tissues, so, no. I mean, it would liquefy the bones as well. Yeah. It, it, it's cool. It's a cool effect, and I like at the very end when Godzilla sunk down and he too bamfs into mm-hmm. a skeleton. I, I feel like it would have been sort of sickly hilarious if dr <laughs> sarizawa did as well but they declined to show us that part
0: well he was in a uh, a diving suit the old style with the big helmet that's and true. all that. They were. you wouldn't have seen it
1: and there were some parts of that that i felt were uh were pretty good like uh when ogata comes up to the surface at the end of the movie his ox- his suit is actually inflated mm-hmm. which is how it how it would be i mean you, that's that's how diving works yeah so I there were some some effects that were great and some that were, <laughs> I mean I, it seems like, anytime you watch a movie that has any science in it, it I always just kind of shake my head. I have a hard mm-hmm. time with that. But um, this movie is not worse than others in that respect.
0: You also kind of yelled at the TV when uh, Sensei was uh, following his conclusions into what Godzilla was.
1: It, it, you have to admit that it's a pretty largely from he admits radioactivity to. He's turned into what he was by radioactivity mm-hmm. uh, that was not borne out by the evidence. <laughs> but I'll have to give him uh, some credit because he's apparently one of only two scientists in the entirety of Japan. Yeah.
0: So I guess that can take us into the uh, next section. What was awesome?
1: Yeah. What well, what did you think was awesome about this movie? Um,
0: Godzilla, obviously, like I the outfit is terrible but they use it to great effect and what i think is funny is that you see at least 3 different versions of godzilla through this and it's supposed to be all this, the same thing like he doesn't go through any metamorphosis in this uh the first one i think is like a puppeted version of him so that he can have more head and neck movement throughout the scenes and The second version is the full-body suit, which is used for the latter half of the movie. And the third one, which is most funny to me, just is when um, Sensei is giving his presentation and he shows a supposed picture of Godzilla that he took there, and it looks wildly different from anything else we see then.
1: I actually thought that picture was great. I love that picture. Godzilla was had a look of like he was in the shower and someone pulled back the curtain and he's just like, hey, do you mind?
0: Yeah. No, it's a great picture. It just doesn't look at all like Godzilla did.
1: No. There there wasn't a lot of continuity between the uh, different versions of Godzilla.
0: Yeah. You just got to take it with a grain of salt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything else you wanted to say for Godzilla's outfit? Godzilla himself.
1: I mean, there are definitely some times when you can see that it's an—it's clear that it's an outfit with a person inside of it. The way the fabric drapes of the costume, mm-hmm. it's obviously that it's fabric draping. But overall, I think that they did the best they could with uh, what they had at the time, and and I. Um, wanted to mention that this movie had roughly three times the budget of the average movie at the time in Japan. It cost 100 million yen to make, which is uh, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a lot of money back then, and and the equivalent in U.S. dollars today would probably be pretty significant. It was so much that they actually mentioned how much it cost in the trailer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Toho put a lot of money into this, and I think that they have probably seen their returns
0: A few times over. Oh, many, many times (laughs) over.
1: The original movie made about, I think it was almost 300,000 yen. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sorry, was it 3 million yen? How much did I say that that it cost? It cost 100 million yen, right?
0: I thought it was 100,000. No,
1: 100,000 yen is not that much money. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I think it was 100 million. (laughs) Um, Either way, they made about three times that on the the dvd or not dvd the rentals at the time um and the the theatrical release but over the last what 66 years i'm sure that they've made their money long back
0: the many many movies
1: yes all the movies that it has spawned and all the cease and desist that they send my sibling every once in a while
0: (laughs) which we might get one to frame oh i can't wait to get
1: a toho cease and desist (laughs) we love you toho
0: yeah all right so um
1: sorry we broke into your elevator that one time it was an accident not really. I we were to see. allowed, I think. There was no signs at all. It was the weirdest thing. They so they have uh, a uh, Toho has a statue of Godzilla on the head. Yeah, just the head, the upper part of Godzilla. Um, um, in Shinjuku in uh, Kabukicho, and so we heard that you could get up to it, but it was not obvious. Like we we went into the building and it was actually a cinema and. We just kind of kept walking, and we were like, Godzilla? And they were like, oh, this way, this way. And so we just followed them, but like, past signs that said no admittance and hotel guests only. Yeah,
0: it was a cinema and a hotel, and you had to like walk up to the hotel concierge and say Godzilla, and she points to the elevator. Yeah, Uh,
1: just like every other fun experience we've had in Japan, we were never quite sure if we were actually allowed to be there. But um, anyway, so sorry for that, Toho. (laughs) Please don't sue us.
0: Yeah. So, let's see. Uh, the next thing on what was awesome was the music.
1: Yes. This movie has amazing music. It's, it is it is as iconic as the movie itself, I would argue.
0: Yeah. it It's right up there with um, Jaws for me. And I actually have a couple of versions of the music of the, from this on my playlist just because I like it so much. It's great.
1: Yeah. No, tell us again who uh, orchestrated the music.
0: Akira Ikefube. Ah, okay. Yeah. And I... All three of the main themes that you hear in this are generally heard at least once in every movie since it.
1: Every Godzilla movie. Well, yeah, not yeah. every movie. <laughs> that would be wild. Yeah. It'd be cool though. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about the music?
0: Uh, just, I don't know. It. It's Listen great. to listen it. Listen to
1: it. Yeah. I'm sure you can find it on Spotify, YouTube, whatever. Definitely Spotify. Yeah.
0: The the Shin Godzilla versions, which are a bit more bassy than this, are on Spotify. Mm. But also good.
1: You'll hear us talk a lot about Shin Godzilla. This uh, probably the most recent Japanese Godzilla movie uh, came out in 2016. Yeah. Uh, it was made by the filmmaker who made uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, it's it's good. You should watch it. We'll discuss it Eventually. later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that well, Down the road. Because I think we're going in chronological order on these. So. We
0: might not honestly have to skip. To it, just because we will end up referencing it so yeah, much. Yeah, we're going to talk
1: about it a lot. It, it's my favorite Godzilla movie and the first Godzilla movie that I ever saw. Yeah. Um, I just, I love me a two-hour movie about Japanese bureaucracy. <laughs> um, I want to talk for a minute while we're talking about kind of what is what was awesome. I, I touched on this earlier, but the cultural impact, uh, not only the impact of the movie, but sort of the, the cultural touchstones that it... Uh, referenced, I think, were, were important to talk about. If you're going to talk about the first Godzilla movie, um, the, kind of the environment around when this movie was made. So th- this movie came out uh, nine years after the bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And by the way, if you ever get the chance to go to either of those cities, I recommend them both highly. They are beautiful. I think Nagasaki might be the most beautiful city in Japan. It is so gorgeous. And Hiroshima is an amazing, welcoming thriving beautiful city full of like the nicest people in japan i go carps yeah go carbs. <laughs> <laughs> um but really like i i the first time i went to hiroshima i was so afraid that as an american i would be treated with probably understandable disdain but we were there for 20 minutes walking in the park and a man came up to us and said are you americans and we said yes and he said welcome to hiroshima we're so happy to have you here yeah
0: that that eased me a lot too when we were well
1: and we had spent the entire train trip into hiroshima talking with a woman on the train who was coming back from a vacation um and show me your vacation pictures and yeah the people in hiroshima are the best and nagasaki is beautiful and uh what happened to them was unforgivable (laughs) but whatever they've been rebuilt since um so so nine years before this movie was made hiroshima and nagasaki were bombed uh the same year that this movie was made and came out, the United States was conducting nuclear testing in the Marshall Islands in the Bikini Atoll, um, and had actually sent notice to the Japanese government that fishing vessels were to stay out of what they called the Bikini Atoll exclusion zone, uh, where they were conducting hydrogen bomb testing. For whatever reason, not all of the, the fishing vessels received this notice from the Japanese uh, security forces. Uh, One in particular, called the Daigo Fukuryu Maru, uh, was a tuna fishing vessel that was piloted by a 22-year-old Japanese man, and uh, they wandered a little too close to this Bikini Atoll exclusion zone and ended up being caught up in not the explosion itself. The the fishing vessel was not harmed. In fact, it is in a museum today uh, in Tokyo, but... They were affected by the radioactive fallout. the The bomb was exploded above the water, but obviously affected the the water below it too, and ended up raining raining uh, radioactive coral bits down both on the Bikini Atoll. Some of those islands are still uninhabitable, mm. as well as many of the boats that were in the area. Um, none of the men on board this. Daigo Fukuryu Maru died immediately, but they all suffered from acute radiation sickness and unfortunately were infected with hepatitis from blood transfusions when they were being treated for the radiation. The one of them, the, I don't even remember what his role is, but one of the men died from hepatitis and is considered the first person to die from a hydrogen bomb. Uh, his last words or his I guess in Japanese the dying wish is a better translation was um, I pray that I am the last victim of an atomic or hydrogen bomb
0: uh-huh. he
1: died in 1954 so um, this incident the Daigo Fukuryu Maru, uh that translates by the way to lucky dragon obviously not as lucky as they might hope um, inspired a lot of this movie godzilla the the beginning sequence where the freighter is sunk by godzilla is a direct reference to the sinking of the lucky dragon or to the not the sinking the um contamination of the lucky dragon uh but but the incident the the testing of bikini atoll also affected a lot more things in japan The a lot of the tuna that was caught in that area was deemed un unpalatable or you you couldn't eat it Mm -hmm. and so the Japanese tuna market was decimated in 1954 by this because nobody knew what was safe to eat and what wasn't and of course as we both know now going through the coronavirus pandemic it doesn't really matter whether something is safe or not if it's (laughs) if people think it's unsafe they won't do it Mm -hmm. they will they will be afraid of it um rightfully or not so the tuna industry in japan was decimated and took a long time to recover and and obviously this was uh present on i think everyone in japan's mind uh the the nuclear threat that continued to hurt them even a decade after hiroshima and nagasaki uh mm-hmm. and this movie really spends a lot of energy talking touching on that deep-seated anxiety
0: yeah and um at the end of it, Sensei even like basically looks at the camera and talks about the dangers of nuclear power and nuclear testing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. So that I think was uh, I put that under what was, we thought was awesome because I, th- I think it's uh, important to talk about. The movies get goofier as they go, and, yeah, and they stop being quite so pointed. Um, but this particular one is is sobering. It's mm-hmm. it's a hard movie to watch. Um, yep. I enjoyed it, obviously.
0: Yeah, this one and the uh, sequel, um, Godzilla Rides Again, are pretty similar in tone. Um, And then after that, that's when the silliness starts and Mm -hmm. this change begins to happen. Yeah,
1: well, you have to make money somehow. People only want to be depressed for so long.
0: That's true. Uh,
1: and, And I also think that watching this movie in the time that we are watching it was especially pointed to me as a healthcare professional working in a hospital in a very challenging time for healthcare professionals. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to this after the fact, we are recording this during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we all have people that have we know that have been sickened by coronavirus and even died. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working in a hospital where I perform the testing and I'm exposed to this virus constantly. Uh, watching a movie about this pandemic reminded me, or about Godzilla, reminded me a lot of the missteps that we've made in working with the pandemic, starting with the the science being just real specious and sketchy. Like, we do our best. When something new rears its head, we we have to move as quickly as we can, and it leads to incorrect assumptions (laughs) assumptions being made sometimes. I mean, in Godzilla... Like I said, there wasn't really enough evidence to suggest where Godzilla actually came from, but they were quick to jump on it. Uh,
0: They had like single pieces of evidence that they took to there as far as they could possibly.
1: But we do this. We've done the same thing in 2020 with this virus. We were using hydroxychloroquine to treat coronavirus patients up until a month ago, despite the fact that a lot of people believe that there wasn't really any events to support it. Yeah. And it's all politi- politicized, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And and I think that this movie shows that fairly well, too. There's a scene where uh, a woman very nearly beats the living daylights out of a politician <laughs> because he is more concerned with how the public will react to information about Godzilla than warning the public about what's to come. And, I mean, if you can't see the parallels to that in yeah. 2020, I can't help you.
0: Yeah, I, I love the... The discussion they have, and then when it starts to go south, the, the press rushing up to get pictures of their them also like going to fisticuffs.
1: Yeah. I love that woman. She's my favorite character. <laughs> um, you so have three favorite characters. I have a lot of favorite characters. I Okay, I didn't hate this movie. I, I will say that it was challenging to watch because it's long, and mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of watching movies, but splitting it into two pieces helped. Um, and I did enjoy watching it. I I will see if that holds for some of the goofier movies, but...
0: Yeah, some of them later on are definitely helped with a drink in hand, just to loosen you up to it not
1: coffee you mean yes <laughs> okay all right well let's move on um what what did you think was ridiculous about this movie uh the
0: the special effects like there's a, a scene where you can see like a, a crushed obviously tiny helicopter that falls over it kind of tips over yeah it, it's weightless which is kind of funny the uh, cars
1: are the same the part the c- sections where godzilla sacking tokyo which by the way were directly Inspired by scenes of Hiroshima and Nagasaki after mm-hmm. the bombings, um, so it's it seems a little weird to make fun of, but obviously there are scenes where he kicks over a car and it's clearly a Matchbox car.
0: Yeah, it's a Matchbox car with a tiny little human stuck to the side of yeah. it. They. they fall over and then burst into flames.
1: I, I remember we were watching that sequence and I was like, um, Lee, nobody dies in this movie, right? <laughs> and you were like, nobody on screen. And then immediately a whole crowd of people just like burst into flames and and died.
0: Yeah. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot about that. But um, yeah, the special effects, like later on there's a scene where the, uh, the Japanese Air Force are flying in to shoot missiles at Godzilla and the toy that... The planes are toys, obviously, and you can in the Blu-ray you can see the wires that the planes are attached. Oh, to. very easily. You,
1: uh, you can also see a scene where they fire a missile and it hits the backdrop. Yeah, instead of it, Godzilla, and then falls down. <laughs> yeah.
0: but yeah, the the um the rockets they fire are also just fireworks, and it's hilarious. Godzilla
1: uh, never seems any more than any more than just kind of annoyed by it. Well, they keep missing. Yeah, like, none terrible of shots. them hit him. They're they're not very good at hitting anything. Yeah. Other than the backdrop, apparently.
0: Yeah, um, and in line with this a little bit is um, the reporters that are filming all of this death oh, and destruction. That's my
1: favorite scene in the whole movie. Other than when are... the when the fish get bamped into skeletons. Okay, my second favorite scene. He <laughs> reminded me of like. I kid you not, like Avatar the Last Airbender, where the guy is like getting killed by Godzilla and he's basically like live tweeting it. He's like, uh oh, his jaws are coming for us. Looks like this this is it, folks.
0: (laughs) And he's just like reporting it the whole time. We're, we're, recording this and transmitting it via shortwave radio godzilla's headed right for us could this be the end it looks like this is the end (laughs)
1: godzilla's biting down on the radio tower i feel him puncturing my body i mean it yeah i like that scene a lot that was pretty funny
0: yeah but in a sick way props to him like he did his job to the end.
1: that guy took his took his job earnestly to the end um and i also really like the the main reporter character who had a name but i don't remember what it was he looked exactly like your father like i kept looking at it and saying wow that looks like lee's dad a lot Mm -hmm. and it was not just the hair (laughs) you have to admit that your particular blend of genetics does make you look pretty japanese
0: it just it depends on who i'm standing next to i think
1: yeah well whatever (laughs) point being this guy looked just like lee's dad yeah
0: so the the special effects are all pretty hilarious by modern standards and especially Watching them in Blu-ray, you can see all the seams and the issues.
1: It does kind of make you wonder what they spent that 100 million yen on. <laughs> noodles, maybe. <laughs> mostly <Lots of> noodles. <laughs> so many noodles.
0: Uh, okay, so the second thing for what was ridiculous was Shinkichi Yamada. Uh, Shinkichi! He gets introduced in the beginning of the movie when his brother is one of the only survivors of the ships being destroyed. The great ship pile up. And later on, Godzilla uh, steps on Shinkichi's brother's house when he runs out to see what's going on. And he's the only survivor of that family. So he's
1: an orphan, and um, he's just in the rest of the movie. It's not clear exactly why.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the main characters, they go to the island, and then they come back with him, and then he's just living with them. He's just always there,
1: and he's just always mad at Godzilla. His whole thing is to just, like, shake his fist at Godzilla and be like, damn you, Godzilla! Yep. And that's it. That's all he ever does.
0: Yeah, um, and... uh, Emiko, she's, she has all the jobs, apparently. Emiko,
1: yeah. Emiko has every... She does all the stuff. And I, I like that, because, I mean, the movie is set in 1954, so women obviously don't have a ton of agency uh, at the time. But not Emiko. Dang, Emiko is a, like a jack-of-all-trades. At one point, you see her running a Geiger counter. She's a nurse at one point.
0: And then she's the assistant on the, the like boat. When she they're... helps, yeah,
1: the divers. She yeah. like, is managing the divers' oxygen supply. She is amazing yep. i don't understand how she knows how to do all of this stuff but it's great like i think honestly they just probably didn't have a lot of money for
0: for the extras for
1: extras and and, and i get it like they want to reduce the number of named characters so it's easier to follow but yeah emiko is the support staff of this the professor's entire she operation is
0: The support staff. yeah she's
1: the only support staff this guy doesn't have any research assistance like n- neither her father or dr sarizawa have any kind of research assistance or or like grad students or anything. They just have Emmy mm-hmm. go. And uh, she does her job well. And she also cries a lot.
0: Yeah. In Wales. And uh, she also has the two weirdest cuts in the movie.
1: Yeah. For, there's something about the way that they cut her where she just like, it's sitting and then it just immediately like, cuts and she's standing up and you think what happened? Yep. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, the atomic breath specifically, uh, there's a, it, it's pretty, it's pretty silly. Like Godzilla does have a supposed atomic breath where he like breathes, and there's atomic about it it's like
0: atomic fire or yeah something like that. i mean yeah.
1: He, well it's not though because he the fire appears wherever he's breathed it but it's not coming out of his mouth so basically he breathes on stuff and then a few seconds later it explodes and i really want that ability <laughs> i i'm not gonna lie that sounds really cool i don't
0: you could eat up your coffee like that
1: i i mean i have the microwave for that sorry guys Everyone's disappointed to learn that I'm a nasty boy about my coffee. But, yeah, I microwave my coffee all the time.
0: So is the microwave just contained atomic breath? No. Okay.
1: Microwaves work differently than that. <laughs> Thank you for trying, though. Uh,
0: You're supposed to yes and.
1: I, I will never yes and. Incro- incorrect science. All right. I'm Fine. sorry. Microwaves work by... Uh, jiggling water molecules uh they, you hit it with uh, the particular frequency and the water molecules start to vibrate until the food is heated up yep or in this case the day-old coffee that has creamer in it and is probably gonna kill me one day anyways
0: your coffee is fresh
1: it is today
0: Ah, you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but really i mean the atomic fret doesn't make any sense but it, it, it really follows in with what lee always calls rule of cool um it's cool Yeah, it's cool, and that's good enough. Mm. I I enjoy this
0: movie. Oh, yeah! And then the early movies, it he's breathing smoke, and then things catch fire. Is how it looks. Yeah,
1: Godzilla has severe halitosis. Mm
0: -hmm. So I think that covers all the things that we have in our notes. Is there anything else you wanted to know? Uh,
1: no. I I think if you uh, are a fan of cinema, you should watch this movie. Uh, And even if you don't, especially like big monster movies. Although if you are Don't like big monster movies. I don't know why you're listening to this podcast because it's only going downhill from here. Yeah. This was probably the best movie we'll cover. Or Uh, Shin Godzilla. I do really like Shin Godzilla.
0: Yeah, that one I think is better. Uh, This is definitely the most cinema movie that... They start... Oh, I
1: think Shin Godzilla has some aspects of cinema, too. Yeah. But this is the one that is iconic, and, and everyone should watch it. If you're a fan of cinema, you should probably watch this movie if you haven't already, because yeah. it's really good, and you can see how it spawned and changed a whole generation of film.
0: Probably, honestly, movies just after it, period. Even through to today. hmm
1: Yep. Uh, well... I think that's it for us today, right, Lee?
0: Yeah, um, the next movie we're going to watch is Godzilla Raids Again.
1: Okay, what year did that come out?
0: Um, I will tell you on that episode.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, I,
0: it was I, a couple I, years after.
1: I, I like it. Really, leave them wanting. Yeah. Well, we have been Kaiju Coffee Break. I wanted to take a minute to thank the people who were involved in production of this. Um, we want to thank especially Pants Pending Studios. They helped us Wrangle up all of the equipment that we needed to start a podcast and And they've just overall been very supportive. Andrew Dresden and Amanda, his wife, have been invaluable in the production of this podcast. I want to thank my sibling Sen for always having faith in Godzilla and helping us come up with a Godzilla religion in a back alley Tokyo restaurant last Mm -hmm. year. Uh, And I would like to thank Coffee. Thank you to Evans Brothers Coffee. And thank you to Tekelma Coffee Roasting in Roseburg, Oregon for For, supporting us.
0: For fueling us.
1: For fueling us. (laughs) Um, And if you like this podcast and you want to subscribe, you can pick it up anywhere podcasts are published. Mm -hmm. You can also find us at PantsPending.com and on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Kaiju Coffee Break. Send us an email at KaijuCoffeeBreak at gmail.com and let us know what you think if you have any ideas, movies that you want us to watch, things to discuss, hit us. We're happy to hear it and ready to talk about your favorite monster movies and also things that I hate.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think that about covers it. That's
1: it. Have a good have a good one, folks. Bye. Bye.
0: at one point in the film it says 17 total ships are destroyed in that time it's before like, they even like see what's causing it it's
1: like battleship the game we played when we were kids
0: i was terrible at that
1: well maybe because you're not godzilla i
0: also had no one to play with so
1: let's have a mode of silence for that that was the saddest thing it's gonna be heard all day i'm gonna drink my coffee while you read this let me some wine. glug 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 I-, I gave you some foley there